listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Sometimes this practice can be so very, very difficult because we feel rootless. Which on one hand is, is kind of the point, you know, that you don't have anything to stand on, that you are uh, actually asked to move continually deeper and deeper and deeper into exactly what it is to be a self. So we practice in one of uh, three ways. We either practice at a very a very superficial level, which is, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you find your meditation actually in your stitchery and you keep it there. And that's not to knock stitchery. I think stitchery is wonderful. But if that's, if that's the whole of your practice, or if your meditation is in your cooking, which it can definitely be, but if that's where it ends, it's superficial. Okay. It may be powerful, but it still is deeply rooted in the world of form. It can only go, go so deep without stillness. So then we go to the next level, which would be kind of a medium. You might have uh, practice light and then practice uh, medium. Uh, maybe like uh, a good example of practice medium would be where you sit, you know, a good solid two or three times a week for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes. Um, uh, and, you know, you, you fit it into your day. Okay. You might even sit every day. You might even sit every day for exactly 40 minutes, beginning at 5 a.m. every single morning. But this can still be a mid-level practice if it stops there. In other words, if it's just about sitting. There was a friend of mine who was uh, in college, uh, a rather heroic pot smoker. Um, I could not believe that he could function. Uh, but, you know, stuff happens. Uh <laughs> really a gifted, gifted smoker. Um, uh, so a high-functioning addict in many respects, but he switched his addiction. He decided, you know what? I'm not doing pot anymore. I'm going to sit. And his sitting took the place of the, of the marijuana, no doubt. He was daily, twice a day, sitting. And this went on for months and months and months and months. I mean, it was really very impressive but it kind of stopped there. It wasn't just the fact that, he, you know, he, 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 of course, was sitting, but his practice wasn't anything other than a replacement addiction. So we get to the third level, and the third or deep practice is a type of practice that carries us into the center of our fire. It takes us into where 
all things come from. It takes us to the ragged edge of our personal boundaries, of our sense of who and what we are. And it constantly pushes us to the edge. It does it lovingly. It does it with tenderness, but also with fire at the same exact moment. And so what happens is when we get to this edge, there is something about the experience of the edge that helps us recognize what's off that cliff. And what is off that cliff, miraculously, is what is deep, profound, and authentic in us. We've built an entire life believing that we are what is on this, this plane of understanding. We can stand because there's something holding us, right? And then in a deep practice, we are actually kind of forced to kind of explore this terrain. And in the exploration of that terrain, we recognize the end. We recognize that that world will perpetually be flat, that there is an end to it. There is a boundary to it, a boundary to this sense of self. And when we get to that boundary, miraculously, we can see off the edge, and the view is breathtaking. It changes us. And we begin to trust the experience of that view, a view we can't see, a view that's even more subtle than intuition. It's the view of what is positively prior to all things, prior to the recognition of all things, prior to the experience of all things, prior to the arising of an emotion, of a thought, of a feeling, we start recognizing that this beautiful view off the cliff is everywhere. And that's when practice becomes deep. It's no longer practice light or practice medium. It's no longer lager practice and amber practice. Now we're talking Guinness practice. Porter. The only alcohol reference I'll make tonight, but uh, I, sometimes when you look at these beautiful colors of ales, it, it can remind you of this. There are different levels of this work. Now the cool thing is you can choose where you want to be. Okay? except when you get to deep practice and it starts to fundamentally alter want. It starts to shift and change you. Okay. But the stuff that deep practice changes actually is the stuff you don't need. The stuff that gets burned away, if you will, in this white, hot, radiance of spirit is exactly what is unnecessary 
for you to, you to continue to function fully and freely in the world. One of the great tricks that ego can play is it can say, you know what, I am not into this deep practice. Uh, I'll stay at medium or light because that way I can still have all my stuff. Have my relationship with my uh, wife, who most definitely is not going to meditate, I can still maintain it if I just go partially into this experience. Well, actually, that can get really, really tricky because a partial commitment to this type of practice is like, um, uh, I'm reminded of the, the little, the compressed sponges, you know, and when you add water, they swell up, right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so imagine one of those little compressed sponges. I remember my mom brought one of these, a little packet of these home when I was a tiny tot. And uh, I remember it was really fun to just take the sponge and then put it in the water and watch it swell up. But what was much more fun was to only add a little bit of water to various parts of the particular animal. And then you could see like a giraffe uh, with this long, I mean, you could, you could tell what it was going to be before you added the water, but then you added the water only to its tail. And it looked like this horrifically deformed beast. And so that's what can happen if we enter into a practice partially. If we want to maintain at least some, we want to hang on somewhere, all right? What happens in the, is that the Dharma leaks in, right? It leaks into our experience and creates this expanse, but the expanse is partial. And then we try to, you know, move through the world, you know, in this, <laughs> with this uh, wildly swollen aspect of us somewhere and this incredibly diminished and contracted aspect to us in another. So moving from light to medium to deep practice is allowing us, allowing ourselves to become sopped with the Dharma, sopped with spirit, sopped with stillness. And the way we turn that on, the way we allow that stuff to come on, is to literally just expose ourselves to all there is. Expose yourself to all there is without trying to modify, adjust, or change it. Just meet it fully, no matter what it is. And then from that place of deep, authentic surrender, engage. Engage the world from that place of what is on the other side of the cliff. Of what you cannot stand on. Of the space between your thoughts. That is the through line to spirit. Because it is positively still. It is positively open. It is positively sopping wet with spirit.
And so that's our work. And any of us can take it at any level we want. Awakening only ever happens, however, at the level of deep practice, at the level of really, really letting go to what you really, really want. And once this happens, there's this evenness about our expanse. Just like the giraffe, instead of having little Mikey adding just water to its tail, we pour water all over the whole thing. Is it still a giraffe? Yeah. Is it changed totally? Yes. Does it take what it had before with it in the process of its magnificent evolution? Absolutely. Can it still stay married to Mrs. Giraffe? Sure. A different energy is brought into the relationship. Each party can decide what to do. Regardless, there is more consciousness in the relationship. At the point of this swell into this more expanded, more open, more still version of you, kind of this uh, infinite self that starts to emerge, all sorts of wonderful things begin to happen. And they're not because you suddenly feel better. Practice is not about feeling good at a deep level. At a mid-level or light level, it's all about feeling good. I meditate because I feel better when I do. That's a great reason. I buy it, okay? But deep practice is not about feeling better. It's about being fearless. It's about meeting whatever is there and opening to that whatever with curiosity, with tenderness. And we do this in our relationship, we do this in our day-to-day, -day. we do this at our job. And at any moment, a deep practitioner can immediately plug back into that spaciousness that is real in them, the stuff that doesn't get burned away in deep practice. At their inhalation, they can remember, I am peace. At their exhalation, they can recall, I am grace. In their next inhalation, they can recall, I am ease. And in their last exhalation, they can recall, I am still. And you are still here, miraculously.
questions or comments? Actually, I have a, a comment that sort of came to mind before, well, on my way into class. And even though the rain seems to have let up for a moment, there's a saying that I really like that sort of your talk tonight reminds me of. <clears throat> and it's an old samurai teaching that says, and I'll paraphrase, but um, there's something to be learned from a rainstorm. When one meets with a sudden shower and runs under the eaves of houses, one still gets wet. When one is resolved from the beginning, he receives the same soaking, <clears throat> but is much less perplexed. This understanding extends to everything. Yeah, that's it. My question or comment is not nearly as profound, <laughs> but I like that a lot. Um, I was getting worried as you were talking that, but you clarified at the end that you could still stay married to Mrs. Giraffe, and that was <laughs> helpful. Um, and I, I wanted to know um, the impact on Mrs. Giraffe or if that individual gets a few drops here and there um, I mean I realize that it's that as we change through the practice because of the practice as a result of our stillness um, that can't help but change a relationship mm -hmm. um, well I, I had the giraffe so clearly in my head that you know I sort of so can can soaking wet giraffe still be with not so soaking giraffe well, or can partially be with soaked it or 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 the driest skinniest <laughs> yeah, yeah. little sponge of all as we all know it's just a flat pancake and right. cut out image of a giraffe well it it uh, i think it depends on a lot of a lot of stuff but uh what happens is you're right as one party in a partnership begins to expand they no longer are basing a relationship on negotiation. They're basing a relationship on non-gain and non-loss. And this is a deepening of consciousness. It's, it's, it's a shattering, an earth-shattering, world-shattering expanse in consciousness. Because your world really does kind of fall apart and then it reconfigures in a much more grandiose way. Now, a person who is not interested in that at all and wants to avoid it is in a really interesting space because egos or separate selves, you know, bounded, bounded individuals, contractions cannot handle expanses. There is nothing they can do with the heat of that fire but melt, okay? So then the choice really kind of begins to show itself. Either we commit to our relationship becoming a practice for us both and not 
both partners don't necessarily have to agree with this. Right. <laughs> you can. You, I was wondering about that. Right there. Uh-huh. You can. You can. That. The other person's unconsciousness will only ever tweak that in you, which is unconscious. It has no effect on that in you, which is conscious, which is off the edge. That which is off the edge is not affected by that. That which is still dancing around on the stage, so to speak, can be. So a deeply unconscious person in a partnership can actually be an amazing gift for your awareness. Okay? That said, as your awareness deepens, okay, let's say yours just becomes really, you know, quite expansive, your partner has a choice that they will make. I can either continue to be around this or, um, and, and get wet and try to do it evenly so I expand appropriately. While still running for the eve. While still running for the eve or, and they, they can, you know, they can also derive incredible inspiration from you. Okay. Or they may decide, I'm out. That could happen. Either way, there's a much greater degree of consciousness, not only in the relationship and within you, but also in everything that you touch from that point onward. And this is almost where faith comes in. No matter what, the more conscious you become, the more easy it is. Because you're moving forward without fear. Yes. Yeah. No, that's. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Now just promise me to let it go. The microphone? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm (laughs) bummed. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to talk about that, you know, the partner situation. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it sounds like what could happen is your lifelong partner or your partner would make a decision. So then as we deepen our practice, would we ever have to come to a decision or would it just be total acceptance? Um Total acceptance of our partner. Total acceptance of your partner is the goal regardless. Yeah? Total acceptance of your partner is the way we evolve as a couple, and it's the way we evolve personally. Will you ever have to come to a decision? You might. You might not. You, you can't know that. What you can no, and I'm going to use the capital K no, is that your infinite mind and infinite heart will radically transform the relationship, you, and everyone that you touch if it's at the deep level of practice. Does that mean that there's a guarantee that you will then be at a place where you're okay with whatever your wife does? No, it doesn't. In fact, it's uh, you know, enlightenment can come in the form of a profound, uh, committed no. Absolutely not. And then release that 
as we release that absolute. See what happens. Now, I'm not trying to play games here, but it's you can't you can't you can't know if you are going to have to make a decision or if she will have to make a decision any more than you do anyway. Every day you decide to stay together. Every single day she decides to stay with you. And no matter what, the relationship is temporary. You will die, she will die, or it will end. You know, it will, like Woody Allen says in Annie Hall, you know, like a shark, it, it stops swimming, you know, and it dies. You know, I, I love that line. I mean, sometimes relationships do that, you know. <laughs> Woody Allen is one of the great bodhisattvas, you know. <laughs> like uh, his recent movie, Match Point. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, that sounds a lot like, um, you know, what Paul, the Apostle Paul said about in Christianity being unequally yoked, as in, you know, mm -hmm. two ox yoked to the same cart. Right. Yeah. But it is a struggle sometimes. Oh, it is. But if we can let that struggle, especially in relationship with an intimate, we can let that struggle inform a deepening of our practice every time, every time. Every time you guys have something that comes up uh, or some situation that brings up fire in you, that awakens negativity in you, what a great theater piece for you to watch, right? All that is, all that energy that you feel is ego saying, no, 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 no. And so what you do is you get to watch the temper tantrum. And if you can watch the temper tantrum, take a breath, then act. The responses will tend to be more appropriate. They will tend to be more loving. They will tend to be things that actually add to a deepening, not only of your personal spiritual practice, but of the relationship as an entity in and of itself. It begins to flower a little bit differently because it is not based on negotiation. I'll give you this if you give me that, which is the home of ego. It's based on something profoundly beyond that. Those are the two kinds of love. We have contracted love, which is tete-a-tete, -tete, quid pro quo. I'll give you this, you give me that, you know, right? And then you have expansive love that you can feel equally for all beings. And it's especially radiant and powerful with an intimate that you may have. So see where it goes. Practice. Let, let your intimate relationships inform your practice. And you'll find why so many traditions adhere to celibacy as a way of finding spirit. <laughs> yeah. um. A comment or a question about the relationship. Don't you think, though, that once you, when you start, when your stuff starts falling away, your attention and patience in a relationship deepens. And consequently, you see more good in that person than not good. 
and your your um, even if they're not doing what you're doing, it the, everything gets better. Absolutely. And you, your example, it's kind of like it, they just start seeing. Well, this person's changing. What is he doing, or what is she doing? Maybe they're onto something, and it may take years, but it sort of starts getting into them a little bit, especially if you leave some books around the house. (laughs) (laughs) I do. It just is sort of magic starts happening. That's exactly right. And and you know what, along those lines, which you then become is you become a Dharma sprinkler system to their sponge. Hey, you just, you just become much more patient. Exactly. Exactly. You're not, in other words, it goes back to that, that old line I keep using. You, you don't get caught so much. You might have a flare-up. Right. It's like, you know, I hate fried eggs. Right. You know I hate fried eggs. Instead of that, you just kind of giggle. Oh, my God. She just made me fried eggs. It's something it's that, a- I, that it's, <laughs> it's easy to say, but yeah. you sort of start thinking of more is that, that person's doing the best they can. Oh yeah. You know, you're when you can be at Pete's and you're why am I waiting and I'm doing this and doing that and you think, you know, they're just they're putting it all out. Yeah. That's the best they can do. Right. You know, there's fifteen people in the line, but it's not yeah. gonna get any better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, now something about the weekend or retreat. Yeah. And I don't know if it was the sleep deprivation or just <laughs> all that meditation, but I expected to go today to work like on a cloud. Yeah. And instead, my head was on fire. Yes. Good. And I thought I dealt with things pretty well, but it was a real effort. Mm-hmm. You had a hard time too? Yeah. Well, listen, it's... Uh, w- I mean, what we're talking about here is um, making some shifts, some adjustments at the cellular level. And for your head uh, not to feel like it's on fire, for it to feel very peaceful, that can be really nice. But this work is not necessarily about feeling peaceful. It's about finding peace in the middle of war. Okay? And so perhaps it was the, uh, the, I'm surprised you were deprived of sleep. I apologize for that. Was no, you didn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Weekend retreats <laughs> to, to, tend to wipe you out, don't they? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, it, I mean, I guess the, the encouragement I'd love to give you, Mark, is like totally normal, absolutely normal. One of the things I regretted not saying, I got a little worried about it on our way home, is uh, and here I got these 20 precious beings that you know just suddenly go off into the world with these radiant smiles and big eyes. I'm like, Mike, that was amazing. This was an amazing weekend. And what I f- forgot to say was, drive carefully. <laughs> really? Exactly. It's like, you know, I'm not attached to the road. Well, you, you better be, pal, you know? It's the world of form and then formlessness, okay? So we experience a little formlessness. Now bring that back into the world of form, and that's tough. It makes you feel like your head's on fire. Tomorrow may be an easier day for you, Mark, but keep keep practicing. Keep practicing. We, we were able to go at the very, very deepest level, you know, for at least 40 hours or whatever it was that we were there, you know? And it changes. It changes things.
Yeah. It creates, sometimes it feels like after a real intense retreat, it's like you have a little, uh, uh, a little man up there retooling the way all the wires are supposed to work. And it can be really off putting, uh, to the, that in you, which is always about control, right? Just let it be. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Have a great night. Stay dry. Mm-hmm.